This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jet. Jet, how are you? Dr. John, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Boy, I got to tell you, man, I'm glad to see the last one go. Yeah, I think we all are. It's been a long, tough season. Yeah, yeah, particularly. Um, And this one's not off to a great start, but uh, hope springs eternal. So Mm -hmm. let's see if we can turn it around this year. So let me, uh, I'm curious because we didn't get to chat last week. Um, Dial it back a week. And what's your take on that incredible Jets victory against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, wow. Their, How great is that? Best, despite their best efforts to uh, to lose that game every step of the way, mm-hmm. um, they still weren't able to accomplish it. And uh, and so they, they, they got that extra win. Um, so what's your take on it? Is it, uh, just generally speaking, better to uh, have won that game because it makes everybody feel so much better or lose that game for uh, for better draft. No, I think it's better to win the game because I think the, the big thing is is that you want to try to establish something with a new coach. And it's like, I mean, it doesn't help if he loses because then all of a sudden, the more he loses, the more chance he may not be with the team after two years. Now, what do you think of Robert Sala and how he's done? Well, I'd like to hear your response after this, but... Um, I'm 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 impressed uh, in some regards. Um, he seems like a buck stops here kind of guy, right? Which is you know diametrically opposed to what we've experienced the last two years. Um, and I I actually kind of like the way he handled that fourth and two situation last week by basically uh, having the management him in particular because he's on top, mm-hmm. but basically taking ownership of it and trying to deflect the the blame from Zach Wilson because clearly there was a mistake that was made. Right. Um, the question is, you know, high up the chain does it go? And with LaFleur coming out this week and basically taking ownership of it, which I don't quite understand, but okay, fine, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I like that because I think that, uh, that shows you that there's a situation in which the players can feel comfortable you know, doing their thing, and everybody seems to be accountable and responsible, mm-hmm. which is, you know, vast difference from where we've been the last few years. Um, so I like that. I also like the fact that the guys still seem to be playing hard for him, despite the fact this season's gone south weeks ago. Right. And uh, um, the other thing I'm a little bit impressed about is, now, you know, it's not like they've got a top-ranked defense. But they're not hemorrhaging like they'd been that you know five, mm-hmm. six, seven game stretch, in which they were just giving up tremendous amounts of points, yards, everything else. Um, now, are they going to be able to turn the ship this year? No, but they've staunched the bleeding, and uh, and and I like that. Um, and I think what you're seeing is uh, again, it's just a confluence of too many rookies um, in one team and one season. And everybody is just kind of making their rookie mistakes and learning along the way. Um, and I think you're going to see that probably this year and maybe throughout next year, unless they make a couple of changes. But I, I, I like, I, I think I like what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, and I think it's something that's positive going forward. And I do think that there's a culture that's being cultivated that uh, uh, I think is a positive, and it's clearly, clearly, clearly much better than what we've seen the last, you know, quite frankly, yeah. the last decade. So you, you, I take it you don't miss Adam Gaze? Well, you know, John, I haven't had a chance to have dinner with him in a while. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have. No, I haven't. But um, uh, I know you're a dinner buddy of his previously. But uh, no. Um, at, at, at the, I, I look at the Adam Gaze dynasty as even worse than the Rich Cotite dynasty because of the damage that he inflicted on the roster. At least Rich Cotite had, had, had talent. No question about that. He had a talented roster. Yeah, they just didn't. They were just completely dysfunctional, and they just didn't put the work in. And these guys were just freeloading for those couple of years. Mm-hmm. That was not the case in Gates. He had some talent, but he ran whatever talent he had out of town, and basically he just chronically pointed with the finger and not the thumb, mm-hmm. and uh, took no responsibility for anything, and just drove that franchise into the ground. Um, alienated everybody along the way. Uh, uh-huh. So, no, I, I can't say that I'm a fan of uh, Adam Gase. Yeah. No, I, I mean, uh, <clears throat> but, I mean, one thing about Salah, though, uh, he's got to get the defense better. And that's obviously his biggest mission. And obviously you're right about the fact that they have too many young players out there. But, I mean, the defense definitely needs to somehow get better. Well, <laughs> thank you, Captain Obvious, for that one. But um, the point is, how do you do that at this stage? Yeah. Um, you're going to need a big off season for that. I mean, my God, uh, you're, you're dealing with like the ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth linebackers, and they're literally pulling guys off the street uh, to, to, to fill roster spots, particularly in that uh, Jacksonville game. You know, I'm amazed that they functioned as well as they did. So, um, you, you know, uh, let's face it; they haven't been a, a, even close to full strength even from 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 day one because of all the injuries that they suffered. Uh, um, in the offseason. I mean, they never had LaMarcus Joyner and Marcus May play together at safety. And quite candidly, I think the safety play has been a huge problem um, for this team. Uh, it's, it's, I think, one of the focal points. But uh, they picked up that guy, Riley, and he seemed to have been played pretty well. And I think that has stopped some of the problems, or at least slowed down some of these problems. Um, their tackling is just abysmal. Um, mm-hmm. Ashton Davis is just an embarrassment. Um, after two years, he should be functioning better. But all he does is either get caught in the wash or just lays down and swipes at ankles. This guy can't tackle at all. Um, so I don't know how they're going to build it, but they have to build it. But they just don't have the, the personnel right now. Yeah, that's no why I'm kind of impressed that they've been able to, to slow things down a little bit the last couple of weeks because, again, they really don't have the personnel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, they really don't. And then you know, what, what if you're going to be uh, the general manager, Joe Douglas, what do you go for in the draft? You have two great draft choices in the first round. What do you go for? That's a good question. Um, because the, 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 the interesting problem now is I'm not exactly sure where they're going to land. And I think the better question is, uh, you know, where's that Seahawks pick going to land? Yeah. Um, because that, that's, 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 that's a tasty proposition as well. Um, I don't know. Uh, and that's one thing we, we've got months to talk about. But I don't think they're going to get the top two pass rushers. If, okay, first, if, if, they, if one of the pass rushers fall to them, the highly rated pass rushers, yeah. I, w- I would grab one of those first. 
you know, clearly. Um, they've got uh, the, the two guys, the top two, the one from Michigan and the one from Oregon. I don't know if they're going to be available, and I don't quite frankly know how if, if like, he's worth number three or four pick, uh, the guy from Purdue. I, I don't know. But if one of those fall to him, I, I think that that's kind of the no-brainer. If they don't, then it becomes interesting. Um, I like, and Irish Mank is going to love this, but I like the safety coming out of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's kind of um, uh, a Swiss Army Blade kind of guy, but he's big enough to play in the box, but you can also have him cover. And uh, he can blitz as well. So I'm intrigued by him. And the way the game is evolving, I think safeties, especially safeties that can not only play in the box but can cover a bit, are becoming increasingly valuable in this modern modern game. So I'm a little intrigued about that. Now, the other question, though, is then what do you do? Do you just go defense, you know, with both picks? Um, then what are you looking for? Are you looking for a linebacker? Uh, what type of linebacker? Um, are you happy with what you have? I mean, I can't imagine that you are, but you've got Mosley. I think Quentin Williams was a nice pickup this year. Uh, I think he still needs to learn the system a little better, but this guy plays with his hair on fire, and he certainly has speed, and he can cover sideline to sideline. So I think he can fit in a Robert Sala system. So then what are you looking for as far as linebacker and, and is somebody available? And you, 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 you trade that off with uh, – you go for another offensive lineman because I'd really like to see them pick up – honestly, I'd like to see them pick up the center from Iowa um, because, uh, you know, McGovern is in the last year of his contract. He's coming back from knee injury. Maybe give the kid a chance to develop for a year and then plug him in. But I think if you, if you get a top-flight center, you know, in there and – draft them and get them there for 10 years, I think that'd be a solid pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you want to go for another offensive tackle, move Becton to the right? But I think, you know, Fannis had a really nice year at left tackle. Actually, Moses has played well, too. The problem has not been an offensive tackle. And quite honestly, that offensive line has really gelled since Duvernay was plugged in there. So I'd really like to see them bring him back. Right. But they obviously need more backup because he has, you know, health issues. Then they need, they need somebody at right guard whether they pick them up at free agency or what, but um, they need help there. Uh, they need a tight end, but obviously we're not talking that low in the draft. I don't know. Um, the only thing, don't forget, is they're going to get um, Carolina's second-round pick, uh-huh. and that's going to be a real high pick as well. So, geez, they're going to have two top-ten picks in the second round, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, they should be able to stockpile this team. So I don't know if you need to go all defense, with the four picks, um, I think you can expend one on uh, on the offense. But I don't know. Where do you think they should go? Um, I think defense. <clears throat> I think defense more than anything else. Again, a lot of it, I think, depends on who falls to them. Yeah, agreed. Going. Agreed. Obviously, who's available. But uh, clearly, defense has to be the focal point of this offseason. I don't think there's any question about that. But I like the way the offense has been coming around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think you've seen the offensive line gel a little bit. And I think, you know, we saw that when Flacco and, and White had his, uh, his coming out party. But if you can move the ball through the air, that has been definitely opening up the running lanes for this team. And the offensive line has uh, solidified a little bit. Right. Um, I really love Vera Tucker. I'm telling you, this kid's a beast. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he's, he's strong. He plays nasty. And uh, he's very smart. Uh, he learns quick. Um so the one I'm really concerned about, though, John, and i got to tell you, 
and I've been concerned after that first year is Becton. They've got to get that kid an NFL body, and I don't understand why they weren't able to do that before last se- this season. It's too fat. But they've got to- He's too fat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why they don't have somebody watching this guy 24-7, you know, monitoring what he eats, get him on a freaking yoga mat three hours a day, and uh, just stretch this guy out, um, I don't understand. But uh, um, he, he, they've got to do a better job with him this offseason, and I said get him an NFL body. This guy's got a world of potential, but mm-hmm. I mean, he looked terrible in the off season too. Um, you know, not just getting beat like a harp seal by you know Lawson, but in the uh, in the scrimmages they had with um, Green Bay and Philadelphia, he looked terrible. Uh, so I, I don't know what's going on there. Um, and the better question then is: Is he better off at right tackle? Right. You know, and if that and if that's I mean, let him maul because he definitely can maul. Um, and if that's the case, then are you looking, thinking about picking up a top-flight left tackle in the draft? Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Becton, and I think that can certainly drive what they do in the first two rounds as well. Mm-hmm, no doubt. Well, it should be an um, interesting one, but again, it's like a, they, they need a good offseason. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, well, let's put it this way. I mean, I think uh, uh, Douglas really delivered. Okay, his first draft is obviously not panning out there. Hey, what's going on with Denzel Mims? I mean, he is so deep in the doghouse at this point yeah, yeah, yeah. that he, they've got to get rid of him. I mean, and they're not going to get much for him, unfortunately. Right. This guy's loaded with potential, but what is going on? I mean, this guy is just buried at this point. They've got him on the sidelines now, and he's not even getting any snaps. He's just flat out benched. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's happening there? Hard to tell. I mean, hasn't performed up to any kind of a level that is any good. No, it's terrible. And the last few games that he's, he's actually gotten in, I mean, he's made just a bunch of stupid mistakes, uh, mm-hmm, stupid mm-hmm. penalties. He's the one game I made. Mean, he lined up. Um, he was covering. I think the slot guy was a part of problem number one. And then the other one after that, I think he had a hands to the face penalty, back to back plays. And then I think he only had like five snaps that game. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with this kid, but uh, uh, he just clearly is lost. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, that that's too bad because, I mean, this kid's got a world of potential. And he's got the type of skills that they really could use because he's tall, he's big, he can high point the ball, and he can take the, the top off of the, the defense because he's fast. But he's a great compliment to Davis and uh, and Moore, but jeepers. I know. It's, 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 it's sad to watch. Mm-hmm. It really is. got to move on from him. Yeah, because this, this this administration just doesn't 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 dig them. No, agreed. Hey, Jet, thank you for the phone call. <sighs> All right, take care, John, and uh, ease into twenty twenty two. Okay, sounds good. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on seven ten ESPN Seattle and seven ten Sports dot com. <laughs> 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Connie in Seattle. Hey, Connie. Hi, John. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Hey, I have a couple questions. Um, the first one is about the offensive line. Yeah. Um, do you think they're going to keep Dwayne Brown another year? He seemed to get beat a lot this year. I, I think they will, but I can't guarantee it. I think it depends on what... You know, he, he, he wants as far as money and all that stuff. But, you know, I, again, I hate to see too much change on the line 
But again, you know, you got to where are you going to find that uh, left tackle replacement because it's such an important item to be able to have on your on your line because the left tackle is the most important position on the offensive line. Is there a free agent out there? Anybody coming up for a free agency? Well, there's a lot of free agents, but again, it's like uh, you know who's the right fit. That's going to be the that's going to be one of the problems, and you can't necessarily count on uh, free agents coming in and doing so well. So I I I would lean toward trying to keep them if they could. Okay, and then so they drafted um, I think it's Stone Forsythe. Yeah. Um, is he like a potential left tackle or? He played a little bit of right tackle this year. Um, what do you think they're going to do with him? Uh, I mean, again, I think that uh, I mean he can maybe work out to be the swing tackle, you know, the guy that can you know get in there and uh, you know be the backup. But I, you know, it's like it's he's a sixth round pick. I mean, it'd be a bonus if he can be able to make it, but uh, we'll see. But I think he's more of a right tackle than a left tackle. Um, and then uh, on the defensive line. Um, is Puna Ford going to be back next year? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't see why not. He's been a great player this year. Yeah, is he under contract or is he a free agent? I, th- I think so, yeah. Uh, and then, um, do you think we need help at that position? Um, I, I, I mean, Al Woods played fantastic this yeah. year. He has, but uh, like anything else, I mean, you you, you got uh, Brian Monet. He's done well. Uh, we'll see about bringing back Al Woods because, again, I think they should. I think he's done well enough. And obviously at some point, third round, fourth round, you try to see what defensive tackles are available. Okay. All right. Thank you for taking my call. All right, Connie. Thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to David in Issaquah. Hey, David. Hey, John. Thank you for taking my call. I just kind of wanted to push back because I've, I've kind of been bummed out when I hear everybody bashing on AB. Yeah. And it's not because I grew up in a Steelers fan or a huge AB fan, but I think that the guy has literal brain damage. And I don't, mm-hmm. I feel like we're faulting him for stuff that is more of an injury than a flaw in his character. And uh, it just kind of bums me out because I yeah, don't but see I, th- I, I think it's a flaw. In, to, my, be, to be honest, I think there's a flaw yeah. in his character. Do you remember him being like this when he was a rookie, freshman, sophomore seasons? I not not when he was that young, but uh, as time got went on, he became that bad. I mean, right, th- think about think about the fact that uh, you know he uh, treats women terribly. Uh, anybody that he hires, he doesn't pay. He uh, treats them badly, tries to beat them up. I mean, it's like you know, is that. Is that, Does that remind you of any other players in the NFL that have gone through, like Aaron Hernandez's of the world? And and, and I'm not a positive because I yeah. can't see his brain scans, but I would I would bet you money that he has some serious CTE going on. Could be, could be. But again, it's like uh, you know, I, I for Antonio Brown, I don't want to make any excuses. It's him. It's his personality. I mean, he's been this way for the longest time, and it's like uh, to make any excuses. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'd hate to say. If he, I mean, I hope he doesn't have CTE, but he has mental problems, and he's got to resolve those mental problems, and he doesn't. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I just, uh, it seems like more of an injury to me, and I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to try to pretend to be. It just seems like we've seen this story play out more than once, and it seems like it's, it's a prime example of. But you, usually, the CTEs don't settle until after a guy's career. Oh, that I don't know if that's the case. Aaron Hernandez. 
Wasn't he in the middle of his career when he murdered people? Uh, I mean, you know, Aaron Hernandez was a bad guy from college. Because remember, I mean... Yeah, but he had a lot of concussions as well. Yeah, it, but... You know, I'm is. not saying I'm right or wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think what it is, you're trying to... And again, I, I can understand it, but it's like you're trying to make excuses for the players being bad when they're bad. In the case of Aaron Hernandez, he grew up in a gang, right? And uh, when he went to college, he did some bad things. And so it's like, is that because of CTE? Is it because of injuries? No, he did. He did it from college on. He did it in high school. Yeah. Is that no, is that just, CTE? It seems like it, it seems like he flipped the switch after that Vontez Perfect hit. It seems yeah. like he was such a charismatic guy, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's a different dude. All of a sudden, yeah. No, and I he can't th- even remain in Pittsburgh. I think uh, I I just think that uh, Antonio Brown has been bad for so many years, and. I mean, you can just see it in the way he relates with his teammates. You can see it in how he acts. And now he's totally out of control. I don't disagree. I just, my only, my, my only thing we differ on is that it seems like it's more medical related. Yeah, me, I, I think it's, I, I think, I think it's more mental related than it is anything else. Right in, in my opinion. Well, anyways, I hope he gets better. I hope he has time to heal either way. Yeah, you hope and, so. Or get fixed, get help, whatever he needs. Hey, David, thank you for the phone call. Thank you. Have a good one. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on seven ten ESPN Seattle and seven ten Sports dot com. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Pat in North Bend. Hey, Pat. Hello there, John. Long-time hey. listener, first-time caller. Oh, great. Thank you I for got calling. A question. Yeah, I, I got a question for you. I'm, I'm just curious, why isn't anybody talking about getting rid of Ken Norton Jr., seeing that, that he has taken the Seahawks defense from one of the best defenses to the worst defense in the league? They've been talking, why is that? The fans have been talking about it all season. I yeah, mean, I know. Why? Huh? Well, why but, haven't they? Well, I mean... It, Pete Carroll is very loyal to his staff and doesn't fire his staff during the season. Simple as that. Okay. Do you think it'll come up this off season? Yes. Okay. I think yeah, it's going to be a topic. I haven't heard anything. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, but I think I mean it's it's certainly going to be up for uh, a possible change in the off season without question. Uh, yeah. But again, well, that's it's good like, to hear because I, I'm just frustrated with how he uses his personnel, and I think he's got the personnel you know, good personnel to, to work with. It's just, he's just using it wrong. Yeah. I mean, he's been great okay. on short yardage situations, goal line situations. Uh, they're get, they're getting better with their pass coverage and all that stuff, despite all the problems that they have. Obviously they need to get some more talented cornerback. Uh, you know, they, yeah. but, uh, but in, in the end, I think that, uh, yeah, I think there's a chance for a change after the season, but there was not going to be a change during the season. Simple as that. Sure, I, I can understand that, but I just haven't heard any talk about it at all. There's, oh, this been—I mean, believe it me, it's like me. it's been—it's been a. I mean, you know, well, let's put it this way: the way that the Seahawks fans have been, they want everybody fired. Uh, they, no, I don't want everybody fired. I, I don't think that's right either. No. But um, you know, I just you know, progressively seeing Ken Norton Jr. take the defense from. You know, like I said, one of the best is mm-hmm. literally the worst defense in the league. And to me, that's right there is a coaching change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there probably, probably you know, will be. That'd be my guess. Okay. 
Good. And again, yeah, you, the key right now is to see what happens to Gus Bradley in in Oakland, or not in Oakland, but in uh, Vegas. Because again, I think oh, that yeah? he'd be a good fit to come back because he's been here before. He's done a lot of good things. He knows the cover cover one, cover three defense and all that stuff. Now I don't yeah. know, you know, if uh, the new coach or whatever is going to keep him down there. But uh, you know, he's a uh, he's a candidate. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. I was. That was my next question. Who do you think would uh, replace him? So Gus Bradley. Cool. Well, thanks, John. Appreciate you calling. All right. And, uh, take care. Okay. Thank you. Let's go to Jason in Puyallup. Look, Jason's gone. So let's go to Dave in Arlington. Hey, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Hey, I've got kind of an unusual question for yeah. you, but I really haven't heard it being discussed or seen it in the sports pages. But do you see a possible relationship between the death of Russell Wilson's personal coach and real good friend uh-huh. to a decline in his performance? No. No, I mean, the decline in his performance you know, comes down to his finger when he hurt his finger. And that was where the decline really started. And so, uh, no, I, I, I don't think, you know, one part, because again, you know, he has you know, so many people that help him out so many people that are, you know, great friends and all that stuff, and unfortunately, you lose them. I mean, that, that's, you know, like, for example, when he lost his father, that certainly affected him, but it didn't affect his play. I think he's focused enough to battle through whatever and be able to do a good job no matter what, but I don't see any connection with that. Do you? Uh, I think it's a possibility. Uh, I thought his performance decline uh, possibly started last year. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I mean... Did, uh, did, am I mistaken? Didn't they win 12 games last year? Wasn't he at that first half MVP? Is the that where the half. decline is? Is that is that a, is that a decline? I don't agree with that. During the second half of last season, you didn't. Second half decline. of last season, he played better defenses. Okay. Well, I just thought I'd bounce that off you and see what your thoughts were. Yeah, because in the second half of the season, what ends up happening? is that defenses went to cover two, and they didn't have offensive answers for that. And so because of that, that you know that held down uh, DK Metcalf, it held down Tyler Lockett, it held down the passing offense. And then, of course, I mean, injuries at the running back position didn't help. So there was a lot of things going wrong. But the biggest thing was that they faced better defenses in the second half of the season. Okay, fair enough. Well, I just thought I'd bounce that off you and see if you thought yeah. there was any yeah, kind I, I, of I, a dip, any any effect along. No, I, I just don't see it. I mean, because I mean, do, can you have you seen a more focused player than Russell Wilson? I mean, he's always focused on you know getting the best out of his ability, the best out of the offense, the best out of the team, all those different things, as opposed to you know being involved with the personal issues and things of that nature. Okay. Well, thank you for taking my call. Okay. Thank you for calling. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Give us a call here as we uh, you know, get ready. In 1030, Greg Bell will join us from the News Tribune to talk about the end of the Seahawks season and all that. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. As we you know, get ready for you know the final week of the season. I mean, we're down to six. 16 regular season games, and that's it. We're, we're almost done. And, of course, the Seahawks will be done after tomorrow, uh, particularly, you know, it would be 
great if they have a chance to win. I think that would help them out a bunch. Certainly, uh, I mean, you look at the fact that they've been a uh, you know a team that you know just didn't have a good season this year. So uh, now it's a matter of trying to bounce back, getting the best they can out of uh, out of what's there. So it's eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Rich in Monroe. Hey, Rich. Hey, John. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, I got a question. This has been driving me crazy. Yeah. When the Seahawks are on third and long, I mean, we have the two best, one of the two best receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. We always seem to try a running play just to gain a few more yards, or we do like a nine-yard pass instead of just going for the first down. Mm-hmm. I mean, they uh, they try, but again, a lot of it has to do with the coverage. You know, are they double covering DK Metcalf? You know, where's it stand with Tyler Lockett? I mean, you know, and and the one thing is, is that, uh, you know, I I don't, you know, when they're third and long, uh, unless it's too long, then they're not going to run the ball. They're going to try the best they can to throw maybe underneath, take a check down play and try to move it that way. But, uh, you know, I don't, it's like the the big thing is trying to avert, uh, avoid the third and longs. Right. But I mean, like, like third fourteen, third and seventeen, they just yeah. That's what and, and and because again, you're so far away from a first down. It's like yeah, if if you throw on third and seventeen, third and fourteen, there's a great chance you're going to have an interception, and an interception is worse than anything else. They don't want to create turnovers. No, well, I totally understand that, but I mean. What's the difference between that and just throwing a long bomb anyways to DK down there? Because it I can mean, be intercepted. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they do it Yeah. anyways on occasion. What's the difference between doing it on occasion or on third down and long? I mean, they know that they they got to get it. They know the defense are most likely expecting it, but still we've got great receivers mm-hmm. and we're crafty. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand why they don't. Design a because play, because a lot of times if it's going to be third and seventeen it's going to be cover two and they're going to limit the deep passes that's what defenses do in a cover two defense and so it's like you can throw it long but you're going to have it intercepted right I mean again that's it's that's the strategy of the game and the strategy right. of the game dictates you know what you can and what you cannot do and if and again one of the things is this team has too many third and longs too many third down failures, all those different things. And that's one of the big things in this off season they've got to work on and try to fix. Right. So that's just the sole reason because they're in a cover two, you think? A lot of times, yeah. Yeah, because again, uh, if you're in a cover two, I mean, you got two deep and you, you have uh, five guys underneath for coverage. And so all of a sudden, you know, it limits some of the short passes. It definitely limits the long passes. And then, you know, if you've got a DK Metcalf, he's going to get, you know, a guy's going to lean over toward there as double coverage and try to take him away. Now, Tyler Lockett is great <clears throat> in being able to go across the middle, you know, go across and make some catches of that nature. But it's tough to do against a cover two defense. Okay. Yes. I know Tyler's crafty at getting open. He's phenomenal. That's why I just don't understand we try not, not to get that more often in that situation. Even with the cover two, he seems to get open a lot, mm-hmm. just whether or not Russell sees him. Yeah, I, I agreed. And then a, a, a lot of times, too, if you're talking third and 17 and throwing deep, you're throwing from a seven-step drop, and that leaves you vulnerable for a sack. 
and that uh, right. and you know then all of a sudden you know Russell Wilson's you know have, having to scramble, having to get sacked, all those different things. So I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that, and you know that when you're in those third and long situations, you're just in bad shape as an offense. Bad okay. shape. Yeah. So. Okay. You agree? I'm just curious. It, it just it just seems like they don't they just don't try. It's like it's like the the calls already designed to what they're gonna do, not even knowing if the defense is gonna automatically go and do it. Yeah, but again, it's like uh, you know Russell throws deep as much as any quarterback in the league, and uh, he's one of the best deep throwers in the league. So it's like, but if you're going to be if you're going to be throwing into some coverage that's going to get you interceptions, then it doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. And, well, thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on seven ten ESPN Seattle and seven ten Sports dot com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jason in Puyallup. Hey, Jason. Hey, John. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right. So I've called you up a couple times yeah. in this season complaining about Ken Norton Jr. Yeah. And because I just can't well, yeah, did you hear the did you, did you hear the caller a little earlier saying I can't you know I haven't heard any criticism of Ken Norton Jr. and it's like. Uh, there's been plenty, and you you included. No, I've been criticizing yeah, him all yeah, year. Yeah, I've been. Yeah. I can't. So my question is, is that I don't think we should fire Pete Carroll with Agreed. one condition. Right. If Pete Carroll allows Ken Norton to be the DC for another year, mm-hmm. does that not kind of indict him that the game has passed him by at the point when you have Ken Norton who is starting Benson Mayowa at left linebacker, mm-hmm. still putting Al Woods in the coverage. Does that not pretty much say we need a new head coach? If Because my thing is, if Ken Norton's not gone after Sunday, yeah, then there's a real question about Pete Carroll's leadership and how much control he has as the executive vice, or executive president of football operations. And that concerns me. Here's the debate. Terrible. And again, uh, and you know, the debate right now is that uh, you know that, and you're right. There's no way they humanly possibly should fire Pete Carroll. I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Fame coach who's been so successful with this franchise. He's had one bad season, but argue what you want. I mean, he has total control, and he. You know, so it's like you can't argue. You know, you can say that he may have made mistakes in that control. Understood, but also at some point, and this might be the point that maybe what ends up happening is that they go to Pete and they say, hey, let's have John Snyder take more control, more control over personnel and all that stuff. You, I mean, you can coach. You obviously have a big voice and everything's being done. What's your thoughts on that idea? Jason. I actually really like it. I never thought that Snyder should ever been part of the conversation mm-hmm. because what that dude can do with the cap space is boggles my mind every season. Yeah. 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 Like we, we are always over the cap mm-hmm. or we always have cap problems or contracts that we can't get out of. And then like the season that we had the three draft picks and we got DK Metcalf and 11, yeah. 11 draft picks. We also were like over and overpaying players 
by like 10 million. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have no idea statistically how you get out of this. Yeah. And John did it. Yeah. And the question about his picks, I feel like that has more to do with Pete Carroll because when you're talking about the drafting, mm-hmm. like the guys that I think have been completely wasted spaces on this team have usually that those guys have always made the 53 man roster and that's always been up to Pete. Yeah. So that's where I'm confused where people think that the drafting is bad because of John, if it wasn't for John, we'd never have Russell because Pete didn't want him. Right. So like, that's where I'm thinking, like, I think you need to give John more control. Mm -hmm. Pete just doesn't, he needs to stick to football and he needs to stick to developing and he needs to call out the accountability in his coaches because there's two coaches right now that we need to have gone immediately. Who's the second one? One of them is Ken Norton. The other one is the trainer. The Um, trainer. Most of what I've done on, yeah, um, Ivan something or other. Um, the, the he he's known around the league for having a lot of soft tissue injuries. Uh huh. And I feel like that's the reason that we're getting a lot of these injuries is he's just not a good trainer. Mm, and we need to bring in somebody. I, 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 I'll debate. So I'll, I'll debate that because again, I track all these injuries and they're not among the the, the most injured team in the league. And on top of it, it's like uh, one of the things that they end up doing is that, uh, you know, they have smoothies after practices. You know, they, they try to, the, the trainer makes sure that uh, if guys are even close to being hurt, they don't overdo it and may sit out practice, get a rest day and things of that nature. So I don't know if I agree with that one. In fact, I, in fact, I disagree with that one. I think their training staff is fine. This would, this would be my counterpoint to that is that, Whenever we have players like the season that we had, yeah, uh, Chris Carson go down, and then we had Penny well, go down Chris the day Carson, after. Chris, and then Car- we had... Chris Carson had a neck injury. No, no, no. I'm talking about two seasons ago when we had to bring yeah. in Marshawn against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. He was still the trainer at that point, but you kind of see consistent people who are always injured. Mm-hmm. But it feels like he's not. I, I, I mean, I'm not an I'm not an expert, and you know doing that i don't remember what the degree is called physiology or whatever it's called but the thing is i can see certain patterns that happen and the certain patterns are guys who are injured Mm -hmm. that have consistent injury problems we never really address them like they always are just always injured and then we keep them on the roster and keep them on the roster and then we like pen i think that he should go i'm hoping that some other team's dumb enough to pick him up in free agency so we can get a comp pick for him because he is not the future here and he's three good games against really terrible defenses mm-hmm. compared to four years of doing nothing. So I want Penny can go for all I care. Cause I'd rather see DJ Dallas or Travis Hall, a mm-hmm. legit shot at trying to be a starter because I just haven't seen anything out of Penny. That's made me go, Oh yeah, you beat Jacksonville. Oh great. And Jacksonville just fired their head coach because they're to cluster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like There's just no correlation. And I, do you think that, honestly, I would like to see the Seahawks go high and draft a running back because in the draft, that's what makes the best uh, impact on a team immediately? Mm-hmm. And I would like to see them get somebody like the way that you see other teams grab or the Steelers grab Najee Harris or Dallas grabs Ezekiel Elliott or the Panthers grab um, Christian McCaffrey. You have to get those guys in the draft because after their first contract, that's when they start tearing down and you're yeah. seeing it with um, Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. Like you need, and honestly, I think the best running back in the entire draft is the kid out of Michigan State, uh, uh-huh. Walker. 
that kid is just he's so nasty i've never seen a guy with a one cut that bad well i, I figure I mean, with, just, wherever they end up in a second round it's going to be one of two uh positions it's either going to be a tackle or it's going to be a running back one of the two simple as that in my opinion yeah yeah i mean honestly i think the tackle position honestly we should just try to we have because I like Stone Foresight and I like yeah. Jay Kerhan, but we really desperately need like a just a go-to running back. Yeah. And I think that even trading up for that position would be because right now your yeah. window's now, but you definitely need somebody that can give help to the offensive line and to Russell mm-hmm. that defenses have to respect. And yeah. right now, I mean, we just don't. Yeah. So, hey, Jason, great call. Thank you. So, Thank you, John. Okay, okay. Let's, go, let's go to Patrick in Tacoma. Hey, Patrick. Hi. Um, hi, John. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, so uh, Mark Schlereth always talks about uh, yeah. how the Seahawks don't have, like, a war daddy, like a guy who a defense or an offense needs to see where he is on the field at all times as far as the de- uh, defensive line. And uh, is there anybody like that uh, that's going to be – Become a free agent that the Seahawks might go after in free agency. You, you have to explain what War Daddy means because I don't I don't understand. Oh, somebody. I guess uh, he's he's explained it as like a a guy who just um he has to be handled. He has to be double teamed every single play. Uh-huh. I mean, like I mean, obviously Aaron Donald is one of those guys. Uh, T.J. Watt. Somebody who's just a, a problem for the offensive line, yeah. which then can open up things for the other defensive linemen, who uh, and and it can probably open up things for Jamal Adams to blitz more often. And I was just wondering if you knew of any person who's becoming a free agent in the off season that maybe the Seahawks might target and go after, because I really think the Seahawks need to spend money in the off season yeah. like they do, uh, like the Patriots did. Right. Uh, last offseason yeah, yeah, and go uh, offensive line, defensive line, and really attack the line of scrimmage because that just seems like it's been a problem since Cliff Averill left and Michael Bennett left that mm-hmm. we haven't had somebody. Or I guess Frank Clark was, was pretty good. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and, and I can't give you a name right now because I'm just now starting to go through the free agent list and everything else. But, uh, you know, I, 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 see, one of the problems, and this is just a problem, you're a victim of your own success sometimes. And, you know, you, know, you, you bring up some of the, the big names, the, you know, the Chandler Joneses and the, uh, you know, J.J. Watt and all those different guys. But, again, those are guys that are drafted pretty much in the top 10, top 15. Well, when you're yeah. a winning team, you're drafting in the 20s, and you're not getting those guys. They don't fall yeah. down into the 20s. Sure, T.J. Watt did, but that's one of the rare, rare things that you see. So it's like, uh, and, and that's why you know John Snyder takes unfair criticism for the guys that he takes in the first round because, for the most part, they're second-round choices, second-round grades. And so because yeah, I- of the, because of that, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and so it's like, uh, you know, to get those type of top level guys, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's why, for example, as much criticism as they take for Jamal Adams, it's like, uh, you know, they traded up for what was a sixth pick in a draft that uh, had three, you know, has been to three Pro Bowls. And it's maybe, you know, before this year, it's having a Hall of Fame type of career. And so it's like, uh, they're hard to get because you're not drafting as high. Yeah, it, it 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 just seems like they 
they keep going for guys who last year or the mm-hmm. year before had like seven sacks or something like that. Yeah. And then they're expecting all these guys to have seven sacks and there's too many guys like that and mm-hmm. none of them can get into a rhythm and uh and also none of them are like serious problems yeah. where they have to be double teamed mm-hmm. every single down and it just ah oh, I just w- wish that we could get a guy like that cuz I think it would open up so much it would help our oh, no defense doubt. so much agreed uh so you know what guys in free agency I can't answer that at the moment but uh you know we'll obviously starting uh you know starting Monday start to look at it very closely check with me okay. next week Yep. Awesome. All, All right. right. Thank you, John. All right. Thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.